Welcome, everybody, to Sharpen That Axe, a podcast dedicated to strengthening your skills as a guitar player. My name is Dylan Murphy, and with me always is John. Yes, Gillen. John Gillen. That's me. That's me. John, how yeah. are you? I'm I'm all right. It's glad to have you back in the land of working internets. So yes. we're we're excited to, to be doing this on a regular basis again. Yes, only a six-hour time difference now. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if that's more or less manageable for both of us, but... Time will tell. Yeah, time will tell. There you go. Ha-ha. So, it's a time-oriented pun what, with the hours and things. I'm going to let you go with that. Yes, uh, <laughs> uh, loyal, uh, sexy listeners, I am back in, in Galway in uh, being embraced by Galway's freezing, freckled bosom. And uh, yeah, happy to be here. It's 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 good to be back. I got to play guitar today. I got to hold oh, a guitar. Yeah. I got to, got to hold three guitars, and uh, I spent most of my day talking to a guy who wants to trade a Jackson Adrian Smith for one of my guitars, but he's not too sure which one yet. Um, but then he just messaged me going, somebody's offered him cash. I'm like, I don't even know if I want this guitar anyway. So yes, lick of the week, John. It is my turn for lick of the week it's been a while it feels like I've, it's been a while since i've i've contributed so um i'm not going to say anything i doubt you're going to get this song but you may get the artist okay let's have a listen I think it could be a number of people. Okay. I'm leaning towards Nuno Betancourt. Uh, that's a very, very astute, I guess it's not correct, but oh. it is that similar, similar era. Similar era. Um, it's not Molly Crew, is this? It's not, but I'm going to say that this particular guitar player, he does have a connection with our particular podcast. Oh, with our podcast. Oh, no. Um, it's not Matty O'Callaghan, is it? It's not. It's <laughs> not. It is upcoming guest Greg Howe. Oh, jeez. Yes, uh, with uh, one of his, his early hits, uh, Kicking It All Over. Oh. Um, yeah, he actually has a, a video where he does a playthrough of it on YouTube, just like him with a backing crack, and it is. Boy, that's a little bit. Oh gosh. Oh. Yeah. So yes, friends, I don't know if we've mentioned it before, but we are having Greg Howe on the podcast. We recorded an interview a couple of weeks ago and he was an absolute gentleman. So that should be coming up in the next two weeks or so. Today's guest is Ariel Posen. But before we get there, we are going to do a bit of gear talk. Gear talk. Uh, um, we need to like. <laughs> Is that the theme music for Gear Talk? <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not shelling out five dollars to Fiverr.com to get them to make us a Gear Talk, you know, segment, uh, you know, title. But I'm just going to say Gear Talk, Gear Talk. Gear talk. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> chew in your ear about gear. I don't know. Anyway, uh, I'm rambling here. I've been drinking. So, uh, <sighs> John, we're a bit we're we're a bit late to the party on this one, but we are going to be talking about the. Um, the most discussed guitar on the planet right now? Yeah, I think so. This, uh, I, I do have some questions on why. Why are we discussing this particular guitar? So, um, 
or, or I guess why I should say, why is the internet giving out about it besides the fact that it's the internet and just needs something to be angry about, but this one in particular. So it's the John Mayer, Silver Sky, Paul Reed Smith, Stratocaster thing. So yes, it yeah. is. Um, it's, it's, so the reason the reason why people are talking about it is he was uh, saying that he was going to release a guitar for a while and but then again this isn't his first prs no debut. and it's, it's, in it's, fact it's, i mean since uh his first one came out in 2015 he's been working with paul reed smith since he left fender basically to come up with a, a guitar um and this one in particular you know, this debuted, he's been playing this guitar for the last year in some change. Um, essentially, I, I think last year, I guess, it's been, he unveiled it in April at a concert or something last year. The internet was like, hey, it's a thing. And then it was really quiet about it. So not until they have decided to go into production with it have has everyone been giving out about it. And my question is, is why? Like, why is this such a problem? Everybody okay. makes a super strat. Everybody makes a strat copy of some sort. So why is it if Paul Reed Smith does it, it's bad? But if Ibanez or Jackson or um, give me give, uh, Chapman or GNL or granted GNL has founders from Fender anyway, but yeah, we're you not know, going that way. etc. I think you get the point. Like i can keep naming companies but everybody's got a strat copy of some sort or a super strat of some sort so why why do we care that prs has decided to do one with john mayers is it just because guitar players generally don't like john mayer no i i, I possibly i think it's because um I mean, I there have been there have been signature model strats before by artists and there have been like you know, strat copies by other companies. But I think this is the first time that the two have kind of overlapped, that an artist has gone to another company and designed like their own strat copy, but with PRS. But before we kind of go into that a little bit more, did you see uh, Fender's response to, um, they basically trolled John Mayer. It's, uh, I'll show it to you. It's the, um, the Fender Roasted Earth. Um, I don't know if you can see it, but it's basically PRS with a Fender headstock. Oh yeah, <laughs> so funny. I'm uh, <laughs> just completely taking taking the piss out of out of all the the, the feedback that people have been giving. And um, yeah. as for the no, guitar itself, I don't know. Like I I don't know what to make of it. Like I'm not. Uh, what were your impressions of it? Well, it's basically a '63-'64 Strat. Like the mm -hmm. neck is a copy of it. The pickups are basically the same with the highs dialed back a little bit. Um, and all this is on PRS's website. They basically tell you, or no, I'm sorry. I found this on Reverb. So on Reverb's website, they talk about all these things. And so my impressions are given the fact that he's been working with Paul Reed Smith and he's done the, uh, what, what Super Eagle, that's what they were called. So he's had a series of private stock Super Eagles that have been released. They're, they're gorgeous looking guitars. Uh, yeah. One of them, you can find one up on Reverb for $13,000, which is ridiculous. Ridiculous. That's, yeah, that's I mean, it's a gorgeous ridiculous. guitar, but just buy the hollow body and it's only two grand instead of 13. Um, but I... 
So I will admit, despite the fact that I think everybody makes a strat copy and I don't really understand why everyone's kind of giving out about it, I, I'm not sure I see the point of this instrument, to be honest. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. Like, I, I think, like, I remember when, uh, we, we, we'll talk about this next week. Next week we were talking about doing an episode on signature guitars. But well, what is the point of signature guitars to begin with? Is it just so that you can sound and look like, you know, your favorite players? Because I remember being in a guitar shop and seeing the, the Nuno Betancourt Washburn. Mm-hmm. and going in and it was one of the three different types because there's like the budget model and then the intermediate model and then there's the actual one that he plays yeah and mm-hmm. it was the budget model and it was it played pretty terribly but it did look like his guitar you know yeah. so it's it's just it's an interesting concept because I, I I I don't know why people want because people with this kind of model you've got a you know the strap body and the PRS headstock all people are going to say when they see it is oh it's the John Mayer one like you're not right. you're you're going to get instantly associated with that it's like when people buy those uh, Fender uh, ones with the it's uh, the Fender guitars with the backwards headstock and it's the Jimi Hendrix guitar right I. I remember I, for a very brief period, owned one of the mid-range Joe Satriani model guitars. Mm. It was just not impressive. Like, I ended up, I I was a big Satriani fan, but I ended up just kind of not liking it. And since then, I've been pretty disenchanted with the idea of a signature guitar. With the exception, I will say there is one exception to that. It is the James Tyler Michael Landau Burning Water guitar. That guitar every single time i've picked one up has just been absolutely phenomenal it's a okay i'm going to i'm going to have i'm going to have a quick look at this i'm going to give it a google um yeah it's it's weird but especially if you're making one for prs like like the first one if you're making one that other people can play like and sound like you or you know why would you charge 11 grand for it right well i mean prs does these private stock runs anyway okay and they do specialty woods and specialty designs and those sorts of things. And so that's kind of the point of the private stock. This is just kind of like the private stock John Mayer version, which all that means is John Mayer said, ah, put a cutaway on it and make an F hole or whatever, (laughs) which is basically the case. This guitar too. It just like, it looks like they took a strat and they carved out the, that second cutaway a little or the cutaway just a little bit more you uh-huh. know for ease of access <laughs> and it, i'm just i'm kind of underwhelmed by the guitar and the fact that it's two and a half grand is just mind-boggling to me for this it's not even really a good looking guitar it's not it's gray it's like the silver sky it's yeah well, i, I don't know get a red one or a black one or yeah a white one like no, but it's, it's I, you know, I think if Paul Reed Smith has sort of made a name for themselves with like gorgeous tops. Yeah. And this just doesn't have that. You no. Know, it doesn't have all your tone options. You know, when you look at their McCarty models, the McCarty's have a push pull, which can even allow you to split your humbuckers. I think in the 594, you can split the humbuckers. So like, you don't even need single coils because you've got these split humbuckers as well. So 
I just don't, I don't see the point of it. I really don't. And I don't know who's going to go buy this thing. I'm sure somebody is, but I don't know who, and, and I don't know why. I guess that's, that's a big part of it. You know, master bluesman, John Mayer. <laughs> the hits like your body is a wonderland. Oh God. A, I just know, think of Michael Scott from the office yeah. singing man. Any blues jam you go to, you're going to end up playing your body as a wonderland, right? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a standard. You know, it's, it's, it's pride and joy, and it's my, your body is a wonderland. Yeah, exactly. 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 Yeah. Uh, I don't know. It's, Which it's is a bit disenchanting. Uh, uh, should we move on to something bad. a bit like, more positive? bringing me down, man. Yeah, let's move, let's move on to something a bit more positive. A few weeks ago, we had the um, absolute pleasure and privilege to interview um ariel posen i was calling him ariel posen because i didn't know how to say his name and that kind of clicked in with me maybe about halfway through the interview how to actually pronounce his name I only read in writing before so don't hold it against me but yes uh, an amazing player and i think it's great that we are getting this interview out now because he's recently had like rig rundowns and you know, session spots on YouTube and like people are more people are becoming aware of his playing and it was so good to talk to him about it. Yeah, absolutely. And really insightful to give some, some good insights just on, on his gear and his thoughts about just playing and um, speaking as far as like improv goes. He's, he's a great improviser and, and he kind of gives us some insight into that as well. So just constantly playing. And that's, it's, I love that attitude. I love yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's great. It's, it's, he's kind of like one of these guys that just, you know, he, he was born to do it, couldn't really do anything else, you know? Just like, <laughs> this thing. Um, but yeah, here is our interview with uh, Ariel Posen, uh, absolute gentleman. Uh, so we're across three countries. We got uh, Colorado, Cork, and uh, Hanoi, Vietnam. So we, almost we somehow made three. the time difference work. <laughs> <laughs> John got the short straw. Oh. Wah, wah. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. It's what? Uh, uh, 12, 11, 8, 7. What is it, 6? It's 6 o'clock, yep. Taking one for the team. I like it. Good times. It's, it's better than doing <laughs> interviews in us with Australians. I'll say that. So. Yeah, so, fair enough. Ariel, I got uh, familiar with who you are as a musician by, um, I was living with a, a, a Cork musician named Claire Sands, and she was like, have you heard of this, this guy? He started playing in the Oliver Plunkett on Sundays, and he, he, like, he reviews guitar pedals for a living. And I was like, what? And then she told me your name, and then I looked you up on YouTube, and man, you are doing so much stuff, it's crazy. Um, could you tell us a little bit about the Andertons thing, to start off, maybe? Absolutely. Um, the, the gear demonstrator side of my life um, is totally new. And I wouldn't even say it's, it's definitely not the main thing I do. I mean, I'm a, I'm a musician, you know, I, I go on the road, I produce, I record on records, and I back people up. Uh, but I've always been interested in gear. And, um, and, you know, dealing with companies, through endorsements or just through being in awe of certain companies, things and all, and just having relationships with companies. Uh, okay. So I, I basically, the, the Andertons thing just so happened, um, that they took a great liking to the brothers Landreth, which is the band I play in often. 
um, which was fantastic. So they had me uh, come to an interview uh, and they do a thing called Captain Meets, which Lee Anderton, who is the main dude at Anderton's, just mm. does like a little interview with everybody. And uh, we did the interview, went great. And I, I was pals with a couple of the other guys and specifically Peter Honoré, one of the other presenters cool. on the channel. Uh, and it was, it was a kind of, just a, hey, you know, you're kind of around these parts now for the next while. You know, if we, if we need a guy, would you be interested in doing some of that? And I was like, yeah, of course, let's do it. And uh, it just, you know, it's a thing where I'll go there every few months and shoot some videos and have a lot of fun. And, yeah. Sounds like a good time. Yeah, it's, 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 it's really, really cool just to, to just, I don't know, just to see you like as a performing musician in Cork and then to see you on all these like live gear demonstrations. It was such a, <laughs> such a cool thing to see. Um, could you tell us a bit about your, your work with the Brothers Landreth? Yeah, um, well, the Brothers Landreth have been touring pretty hard. Well, we were up until about mid-2016, so middle of last year, and uh, we had a pretty heavy touring schedule. You know, 2015, we were gone just over eight months of the year. Wow. Um, it was just kind of madness. It was great. Uh, so we took a little bit of a hiatus, and the album cycle was done. So we've been a bit more chill at this point. We haven't been doing a whole lot, little gigs here and there, but we've, we've recorded a new record, uh, which we started doing back in September, which isn't fully done yet, but hopefully that'll be released sometime in 2018. Uh, and, Class. and then we'll see how our following year and, and you know, album cycle is. It really just depends on I guess the band and what everyone wants to do. Cool. Um, so you're, a lot of your, your work that I've seen you doing a lot of cl uh, clinics and kind of master classes. You did one in, in Dublin recently, I did, yeah. was it? I did one at uh, Camden Recording Studios. Cool. How'd it go? Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, yeah, had a, had a nice, nice group of guys show up. And um, I like doing those sort of things. I've done a number. I've done a couple here in Cork. Um, yeah, in CSM. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Sweet. I feel like I've done some other ones, and I'm totally blanking. Uh, I'm doing I'm doing some in the UK early next year as well. Um, yeah, it, it's it's almost like just doing a lesson, but to a bunch of people at one time. And it's not I I, I shouldn't <laughs> even call it a lesson. It's not a lesson, you know. It's just it's just talking about my how I think of things, which isn't anything groundbreaking, but some people for some reason people are interested in hearing that so <laughs> i'm glad to let them know <laughs> yeah unreal so can i could I ask like what would be one of the most popular questions that people would ask you and and how would you answer that in in these in these clinics um well the common things that are discussed and and uh, the questions that i'm often asked are you know usually surrounding improvisation okay so like, um, there's often questions regarding just open tunings and different, I play a lot in standard tuning. I play a lot in open tuning, like open E, open D, open C, and I play a lot of slides. So there's a question, there's a lot of questions regarding that kind of stuff as well. I'd say those are the most common culprits that are often asked. Um, 
and I just get into them. I just kind of explain all the ways I, I approach it and look at those things and kind of what I'm thinking and why it is that way. Usually it's a very simple answer. It's nothing <laughs> super complicated. Um, yeah. So Sweet. our, um, a big focus here is just kind of practice and improvement on, on our cool. show. And cool. how would you necessarily recommend people, uh, how, would, how would people improve on their improvisatory skills? Okay, well, this is a good question because this is what also, I'm asked this a lot too. So <laughs> I think a lot of people's issues is that they have a really good practice routine you know, they kick on the metronome and they practice all their shapes, they practice their skills, and they get into this mindset, which is very practice-oriented and pattern-oriented. Mm. Um, and then they get on stage and none of that applies in any way. Because <laughs> yeah. what, you're doing, what you're doing is you're practicing um, patterns and exercises. They're exercises, right? Mm. When you're on stage, you don't want to be playing exercises or patterns. You want to be playing music. Right. So what I, the way I think of practice, I mean, first of all, the way the important thing is that in terms of you know, scales, positions, arpeggios, modes, if that's your thing, all that stuff, that needs to be a part of you already. That can't be something, I mean, you can constantly work on it, but we want to learn all those things that are already to have in the back of our mind to never use them like scales, to never play them like arpeggios. Right. Seriously, right? Because we want to just play a melody. So, okay, so for practicing, it's got to be playing. Playing has got to be your practicing so that you're always in that same mindset. So if you're at home, you know, you're playing to tunes, you're playing to this or that, or just even playing by yourself, noodling around. It's just so that you go from your, your room to the stage or to the studio and you're in that same context and that, and that mindset. Um, and you're never, yeah, because so many people play so great at home, you know, they'll come for a lesson and, and then they say they get on stage and they just, um, it's not the same, you know, they, they yeah. just start thinking differently, they get yeah. a little in their head and they try the things they're doing and it just doesn't come out the same way because you're not keeping that same focus and you're acting like it needs to be a separate thing, but it, it you know, it can't be something you play, it has to be a part of you. Mm. It has to be who you are, you know, and that uh, is 24-7 or should be at least. So that's how I go about it. Right. Yeah. I, I, I've noticed with your, um, your, your, you're a big user of Instagram to kind of promote your own music and your, your guitar playing. And it works really well because it's these really nice kind of 20 to 30 second snippets. And I was just wondering, are it, like, would that be a lot of improvisation? And, or would you like write or lick and then play it? Or how would you approach yeah. those particular pieces of music? Yeah, I think my inst Instagram approach, approach is, uh, is going to be a lot more disappointing than, than what people think. It's just, I, I usually, I, I don't put a lot of thought into it. Um, I'm not a guy I'm so that, disappointed. That, <laughs> I'm not a guy that sits Crushed. in front of his phone for three hours uh, getting the perfect take of an idea, um, or like looking, thinking of some way to make a video clickbait. So a bunch of people will watch it. I just <laughs> put, the, I put the camera on on my phone, hope it sounds okay. Kind of just play for maybe two minutes, three minutes. I mean, I, maybe if I'm already playing, 
I may throw the phone on just for a few minutes. And then I just take a snippet of it and put it up. I don't think too much about it. I might have an idea and maybe that's what I'll, I'll throw up, but I don't, I'm not too precious about it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm not afraid of it being imperfect. Uh, I'm, you know, if there's a funny note or, or this or that, I, you know, it's re I just, I want it to be real and not hiding behind anything. And at the end of the day, I'm not, I'm not an Instagram guitar player. I'm just a guitar player, a musician. And I'm just a great way to, uh, in this modern day and age, it's a, a nice way to get stuff out there and just yeah. evolve. And it's good actually for, it's good to improve because you, when you document, document yourself and you have an archive of yourself, you look back and you're like, okay, you can see how much you've improved or if you're not improving enough, it's, I always, I always tell people that you should record yourself or film yourself as much as you can document yourself. Cause then you know what you have to improve on or, or <clears throat> change, you know, as simply as some people don't realize that their facial expressions <laughs> aren't uh, conveying the message that they think it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> They've got the, uh, the Stevie Ray Vaughan orgasm face. I just mean even day to day, like someone, you know, this might be their face. And in their mind, what they're doing is, you know, not until you see it maybe on camera that you're like, oh my God, or it's like finally looking in a mirror when you're not doing it in real time. You're like, oh, that's not at all the, uh, what I'm trying to get out by making that face. So it's like it's the same thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, it, it seems like that whole, that whole mindset that you're talking about ties in with your approach to improvisation. It's just, it, it has to be, it has to be a little bit off the cuff. It has to be not necessarily super polished, but it has to be a mindset that you're always in on how to get there and how to make those things work. Totally. It, it, it just ha like I said, it, it has to be a part of you. It has to be who you are. You might, like, if you're a musician and you don't have music kind of going through you all the time and melody and ideas just percolating, then something is off, you know? I feel like melody and rhythm and this and that should always be just flying around in here. And if you choose to spit it out, something will come up. Mm. You, don't have to, you should never have to dig deep or like think hard about music and melody i mean the voice and the and our brain is limit limitless you know with an instrument there's a little bit of a wall for some people yeah. where you know if you hear a melody you can't play it immediately but with the voice you should be able to sing that immediately and then when you get to the point where you can do that on guitar or whatever your instrument is that's when you're um that's when you're on the road to just being more fluid with your musicality. Yeah, I feel I should make an Ingve Malstein joke, but uh, yeah, <laughs> it's just right, right there. I feel like um, there's always time for an Ingve Malmsteen. Always, joke. yeah, the leather pants joke. Um, so <laughs> I just have a, just a couple more questions for you. So as a like a, a full time like musician and kind of as well as a little bit of a gearhead and everything, um, do you have like a practice routine or like how would you approach? I don't know, exactly constantly like seeking to improve. Exactly like I said, man. Um, I am always just playing. Yeah. You know, it, it's just a, cool. it's, the guitar is a part of me. Since I've been a kid, um, 
I would walk around the house with a guitar on. I'd have dinner with a guitar on, go to the bathroom with it on. Seriously, just it'd always be attached to me. Um, and I'm just always playing. And it's not, I'm not, I put in the time of, you know, chromatic exercises and putting the metronome on and running up every scale and doing mm. them in all the positions. And do, I've done all that. I've put that time in. Um, and I feel like that is important. I'm not trying to say that you should neglect that because that needs to be strong. Mm. But I just, my practicing is playing and um, cool. trying to be as musical as possible. And, that, and I do that just by constantly playing away. That's, um, yeah. But that's still such a really good takeaway to have, just, you know, putting, putting all the, the Steve Vai spider exercises to one side. Um, this kind of comes down to the whole performance. I mean, if that's what you're trying to do, if that's what you're going to go for, if you're going for like the Paul Gilbert, Steve Vai, you know, super shredder thing with incredible, crazy spider technique, awesome. Like, <laughs> that's your back, sure. You yeah. Know? yeah. What I do is what I do. And um, that's, this is just, that's just what works for me. I do think it, you know, if, if more people get in that mindset, they might have an easier time being musical and, and think less when they're playing. Mm -hmm. because you can tell when, and you can hear when someone's thinking way too much. You want to be numb when you're playing. You want to think about what you're doing, but you just want to let it happen. And you just want it to, yeah. you that's want the notes that want to come up, just come up. Yeah. Plant. And I suppose we've got, I suppose one more question, which we asked to um to all to all our guests uh, is, so you're you're constantly showing like pictures online of your your pedal board and what you've got going on, and you're constantly shifting uh, pedal chains and everything. Uh, we have a, a desert island pedal question. Uh, um, <laughs> you're probably sick of this one. <laughs> no, you, no, this I'm is not, not just for you. This is for everyone. So That's a hard question. Uh, yeah. It's 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 up there. Just you, you're on a desert island with a guitar and an amp, and you know a tuner, and you're allowed to take one pedal. And we we're just wondering, what would you take? So many factors, you know. There's so many yeah. things that. Um, well, because because you know, it depends on the amp. Is it a cleaner <laughs> amp? Is it an amp that I can turn up and it'll break up, so I can kind of mm. get that overdriven sound? See, this is why I have such trouble with it. I think. Yeah. If I had to pick, oh man, this is just my, this is be my di desert island pedal for this hour, you know, my, my opinion. <laughs> yeah. Um, oh man, I think it would be a king of tone maybe because nice. you get two different, two different sounds and I'm very used to that pedal. Mm. Uh, you know, assuming this amp sounds good and maybe has reverb, that's a plus. Really oh, all you need. Yeah. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I think cool. of as much as, as much as I like gear and pedals specifically, as much as I like that stuff, I'm also not precious with it. I mean, they're all just there to color mm. the sound. And I just enjoy that stuff. Um, does it make me a better player? Absolutely not. Um, it's just, can I get by without it? Of course, like it does mm. not, those things do not define me as a player. Um, and they shouldn't define anybody because at the end of the day, whenever I get something new, if I got, get a new guitar new ball, and I get really excited, I pick it up or I start playing it. And two minutes later I go, oh, 
well, I'll just still sound like me, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know? So I, tr I really don't let it cloud my, uh, my idea of what I'm like as a musician with those. But I, I just love that stuff. I do, I do love that stuff. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's a tool. It's not a, it's a tool. It, it doesn't exactly. define you. So exactly. It's a tool. Exactly. Yeah. Cool. Unreal. So Ariel, before we go, uh, where can people find you online? You have an Instagram. Do you do any of the other social stuff or a website? Yeah, yeah I'm on all that stuff. Uh, Arielposen.com has links as well to my, yeah, my Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. I haven't really been active on YouTube. I mean, I'm on YouTube a lot on other channels, but my own, I haven't really been posting a whole lot lately. Such a um, commitment. It is a commitment. Um, and the guys that do the YouTube thing, I have so much respect for them because it takes, I mean, that's their jobs. For some of these people, it's their jobs. You can get so many views that the monetization starts bringing you in a decent amount of money that you can make a living. Um, but it's a lot of work. I mean, people don't realize, I went on a rant um, <laughs> uh, Pete, Pete, and, uh, Pete from Andertons and I, we, we were doing a little live stream the last time I was there and we may have had a few, you know, too many glasses of wine and I just went, I just kind of went into a rant just about how much time goes into the YouTube thing that people don't understand because most people just sit there waiting for to see what on their subscription is going to show up that day and, um, you know, it, first of all, the amount of time it takes to film things, to get it right, um, getting all your gear, taking the memory cards out of these cameras, dumping them into the computer, which takes a long time, depending the speed of the, the hard drive or the memory card, or and then you get it into your editing program. Editing takes so long, and then exporting it, and then exporting the audio and putting it all together and uploading it. To, like, it's all these things that people really have, unless they do it themselves, have no idea how much time goes into it. Um, Geez, we thought podcasting was hard. Yeah. <laughs> right. right? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so much work. So I, I have a lot of respect for all those people because that is, uh, that is no sleeper right there. People say, oh, they just make videos from home. It's cool. such an easy job. No, easy. no, 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 no. no. We've had Troy Grady. Know. We've had Troy Grady and Jens Larson and Chris Zupa and a few other of those YouTube guys on and yeah, it's just like Troy Grady in particular has all these videos that have accompanying, you know, fantastical animations. And I'm just like, oh my God, just the, the, just the time and effort just to go into that sort of thing, that side of it. It's just, oh, I think, but it all comes back to passion, I suppose. Totally. I mean, I, I have a little background in video. I did some video stuff for a while, like years ago. And back then, I mean, already like six years ago, using Adobe Premiere Pro, you have to edit everything manually. So you take your videos, Oof. you dump them in, you have to manually watch it and then like pause it to make sure you sync it correctly oh and then God. It. And then you put your audio in the same way and it would just take forever. And, and honestly, would, you never quite get it right. And nowadays with Final Cut, and I'm sure Adobe does this too now, but it's like you press one button, <laughs> immediately syncs the audio. It's like, mm. what? immediately syncs all the other angles if, as, as long as they have the, the same audio. It's like, where was this six years ago? Yeah. I can't Kids imagine. today, man. They weren't there. It's still a lot of work. <laughs> I'm not trying to downplay the amount of work because I just went on that rant saying how much work it is. Not, um, not taking any, anything away from that, but I'm just curious what, what it's going to be like five years from now. How much, yeah. 
automatic. How much easier it's going to be then? Yeah, everything automatic. You know, a chilling Amazing. vision of the future. Yeah. <laughs> Positive. Maybe. Uh, Mr. President, thanks so much for being with us. Um, we, we'll, we'll leave it at that. You've given us so much information, so many little uh, bite-sized nuggets of stuff we can take and pass on to our, our loyal listeners. So thanks so much for being with us today. My thanks. absolute pleasure. Thanks. thanks so much for having me, guys. Nice chatting Absolutely. with you. Look forward to seeing all your stuff in the future. Cool. Cool. Cheers, guys. All right. Yeah. So great stuff from Ariel Posen. Again, really glad to have him on the show. Any, any takeaways, any further thoughts there, Dylan? There's one thing he said, though, I, I didn't, I haven't listened to our interview since, but one of the things that really stuck out to me at the time was he basically kind of framed it that he put in all the effort, like to learn all the scales and the arpeggios, just like that was just something that he, he put the time in to do it. And now he doesn't, you know, he doesn't really have a practice routine because it's just, it's, it's in him essentially. And I, I kind of like, I love, you know, that kind of idea that if you, if you do practice the stuff that can seem really kind of monotonous and tedious, there really is a purpose because it's like, you know, an ace up your sleeve. You just, you have it there the whole time. Um, yeah. Yeah. I really like yeah. that idea. No, I think that's really good because essentially you just, unfortunately you need to put in the work. Like there's no two ways around it. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the point of, of our show in general. Like we're just saying, Hey, we're, how do we, how do we get better and how do we maximize our time? But the fact of the matter is you still have to put in the work and he's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Friends, if you don't know it, he, this man is a tone God. Just check out his stuff. Like uh, he plays all these mad boutique pedals that, you know, you're not going to get your hands on anytime soon, except for the King of Tone. King of Tone is, is widely accessible and was his kind of go-to pedal, if I do remember correctly. Um, one of his go-to pedals. So, uh, yeah. Um, I, I, yeah, just a sidebar. I have a, a friend in Galway who plays guitar and he, you know, he works a full-time job and he plays in a cover band on the weekends and he has, but he spent, he is a gear freak. And he has the most amazing pedal board I've ever seen an Irish player have. And he just uses it for chords. Just uses it for chords. And he has that King of Tone pedal, which costs costs a good bit. And I was like, yeah. you're, go, it, you're, you're using it for Peck and Wonderwall. Um, but whatever. Um, just a bit, bit of a venting of frustrations there. Um, <laughs> you know that? Oh, man. You know that feeling? People who can afford all the gear but don't use it Whew. yeah yeah it's true it um yeah it's fine it's fine <laughs> smile and nod no yeah anyway yeah we'll, we'll move on john what have you been working on tell me let's, let's... oh do tell do tell well, I've mentioned I've been kind of trying to work through a few riffs every week and just kind of find things that, and initially I was kind of thinking classic riffs, but more now I'm moving a little bit more towards, hey, riffs that inspire me to find something interesting or something new. So cool. I mentioned last week, I think I was working on a couple of Dream Theater riffs and some Van Halen riffs and stuff that just kind of got me into guitar in the first place. Fun stuff. Um, you know, if... Sometimes if, if you spend enough time working on technique or something else, like you kind of lose a little bit of the reason why you picked it up in the first place. And so going back and finding some of those 
things that made you pick up the guitar and just be like, that thing sounds amazing. So how do I do that? And that's, that's been kind of the goal this week is to pick a few of those. It's a solid goal. There you go. What about yourself? Now that you're back, have you been, how, now you've only been back a couple of days. So I am. it's hard to say like what you've been working on, but maybe you have a plan for the week or a few things you want to do. Well, I'm, I'm currently, uh, staying in my girlfriend's parents house until i get my own place this weekend hopefully and um, so uh, getting some space to actually practice is a is a big deal mm-hmm. for me and I, I something i don't really have access to right now but i think we've talked about this before having a few things that you know you want to kind of work on and just doing like you know oh i have 15 minutes here nobody's around just try and do this. Like um, one of the, the first things I did yesterday when I was like, I sat down with a guitar, kind of it's scary. It was like, okay, I've been thinking about playing for six weeks and I sit down and I'm like, what do, what do I work on? So the first thing I did was I, I, I did the, um, the art of guitar spider exercise just to get some sort of dexterity going. Always a winner. Yeah, you know, it's 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 you know, people people rag on it for being boring, but just for the whole like if you're if your your coordination isn't up to up to up to scratch, it's a really good way of just breaking things down and making you feel that by the end of it you're actually getting some you know, you're getting something done. Yeah, I use that all the, I mean, in fact, that's been the focus of a bunch of my lessons this week because really? It's such, there's so much variety in that particular exercise. You can work tone, you can work articulation, you can work right-hand attack, left-hand attack, synchronization, building speed, like all of it. So I've been really kind of hammering that exercise home again with students this week. So teaching those things kind of go in cycles, but that's funny that you bring it up because nearly every lesson this week was like, all right, we're going to start with this. Because it sounds like you're phoning it in there, John. Ah, just do the spider. (laughs) No, the the truth is, is it gives me a chance to practice it too. Because then I can show off a little bit and be like, okay. And then you build up speed and you build up speed. And then I get to, you know, by the last lesson of the day, I'm like 220 beats a minute, baby. (laughs) (laughs) Doesn't sound good, but I can play it fast. (laughs) Yeah. So that's the truth. You know, you, you teach things that also help you get better and there's always something that you can pick up. But anyway, now what have you been listening to? Ah, what have I been listening to? Very good question. I'm going to jump on my Spotify and find it. Um, there's a few albums that I've, I've kind of discovered in the last week that I'm just like, Oh God. Well, I think you posted uh, a Rory Aller video yesterday on St. Patrick's day. Of course. So I uh, went well, back and I, did a little bit of the Irish tour. Yeah, yeah. So uh, very, very much appreciated. Uh, I went back to, <laughs> I uh, went looking for um, some live Randy Rhodes stuff. And Ooh, I, I, I could, there is some stuff on YouTube, but on Spotify there wasn't much. But they have um, Live at Budokan, Ozzy's uh, album with Zach Wilde. And it's just what wheelie <laughs> of course it's it great i i highly recommend it if anybody if, if if you want the full live aussie experience um with all the hits it's it's great and he does like paranoid and you know bark at the moon and it's it's great so that and another album called uh what's called i've got it here yeah the band is called screaming females um and it's it's 
it's it's it's basically a three piece i love my three pieces and it is called all at once and it's a three piece kind of pop punk but with some really cool guitar playing from the front woman um so yeah that's what i've that's what i've been digging how about yourself nice well mine this this is going to be interesting you would not expect this to come out of my mouth but uh so I've got a student who's looking to do some recording here soon and has, and we've been kind of working on crafting her songs and the kind of, kind of where I've pulled a lot of inspiration has been Garth Brooks. And so, okay. <laughs> okay. Ooh. I'm afraid our podcast has to end there forever. That's, Goodbye, John. That's it. We're done. Garth Brooks and uh, Reba McIntyre was the other one. So I've been kind of mining. There's some amazing session players on on these instrument or on these mm-hmm. albums, though. Yeah, to be honest. And so she's kind of a bit of this country bent, and there's some great stuff to pick out of these players. Some some great Travis picking stuff that we're bringing into it. Some good Fun. lead lines. There's that that riff, that particular riff from Reba McIntyre's "Fancy," and I kind of lifted it but not quite it's it's pretty close so <laughs> is that that's country music though right you've got like so many tricks that you just use over and over again exactly and then you just play it faster or in a different key so there you go <laughs> stick a capo on there it's a different song amazing so <laughs> yeah brad paisley's only got like 15 licks but they all sound amazing and he plays them so fast that nobody knows Speaking of, um, I know we've talked about it before, but uh, Brad Paisley's uh, Cluster Pluck, the, the song with all the different session musicians, uh, our f- friend of the show, Jim Little, is releasing a lesson for that song every day for the next 17 days. What? He's broken it down into 17 videos. They're all available on YouTube. The third one came out today. So I'm very excited. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We, we'll, we'll link it in the show notes. We'll put it on the face page. Cause that's, that's definitely worth checking out. Oh my gosh. So yeah. Yeah. yeah I'm, I, I know I'm slagging off Brad Paisley a little bit, but he's ugh, an amazing player and, and one of my all time like country guitar heroes. So, Oh yeah. Yeah. We'll, we'll forgive him for that song. Accidental racist. It's, you know, <laughs> have you heard that? No, it's LL Cool J. Oh, it's it's the worst piece of crap. Anyway, <laughs> great guitar playing. Um, so yes, John, we it's 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 great to be back in the our regular environment of me not being in Laos or Thailand or Vietnam or Cambodia, but being uh, somewhere with an actual secure internet connection that does not have me running around cafes. Right. Well, it's it's both secure and reliable. So those those are two things that we haven't had recently so it's good to have you back but now we we also now know that if either one of us needs to phone in a sick day we have a replacement so yes yes <laughs> yes we do um we need to decide on a topic for next week but we have lots of good things coming up friends including our interview with greg Howe. in fact you should probably go do some greg homework and um, so that you'll oh i see what you did there yeah. yeah, I just came up with that right there. Very, very happy. Oh, pun. A- exit on a pun. That's that's what my oh, granny told me. Never a good idea. <laughs> You're not even a dad. You can't be making dad jokes. We should probably be, probably leave it at that. Uh, not a dad that I know of. Am I right, John? Oh, um, let's, no. Oh, God, I need, I need to. You need to go. Right, goodbye, everybody. Stay sharp. We love you all. <laughs>